Welcome to The Good Mood Show with Matt O'Neill. This is the show to help you navigate the challenging moods we all experience as human beings and where you will learn the best strategies to feel the good moods and good vibes we all love to feel. Because when you feel like your best self, you are your best self. This is The Good Mood Show. Now, here's your host, Matt O'Neill. Welcome to The Good Mood Show. I'm your host, Matt O'Neill. Be sure to hit subscribe so you get a good mood every single week. And today we are talking with Nick Hutchison, who's the author of Rise of the Reader, a book that will teach you strategies for mastering your reading habits and applying what you learn. Nick is the founder of Book Thinkers, a digital marketing agency that serves authors. And at the age of 20, he discovered the world of personal development, and he quickly used the books he was reading to improve every single aspect of his personal and professional life. Now, Nick has dedicated his life to helping millions of readers like me and like you take action on the information they learn and rise to their full potential. Nick, welcome to The Good Mood Show. Matt, I am in a good mood. I'm excited to be here. There's no place I'd rather be. I love conversations like this and podcasters like yourself that are just interested in making the world a better place. Yeah, Nick is wearing a shirt right now that says Genius Leaves Clues by Book Thinkers. (laughs) What does that mean to you, Genius Leaves Clues? Well, Matt, before we pressed record, we were talking a little bit about how oftentimes authors condense decades of lived experience into a book. And you can read that in just a couple of days. So condensing decades into days. I think that so many of the people that we look up to have either written books about their life experience or they've had books written about them. So many names come to mind. And we can read these books. We can see what they went through to become successful or make a big impact or become healthier or happier. And then we can implement what they did directly into our lives. And oftentimes you'll hear people say, hey, experience is the best teacher. Sometimes I think other people's experiences, that's the best teacher because you can avoid some of the pain simply by reading about the solution. And so, yeah, genius definitely leaves clues. Yeah. You know, sometimes I pray for that. So, you know, I know I can learn hard lessons by experience. And I also know I can learn hard lessons by wisdom. And sometimes I just want the wisdom and, and we can get that from reading books. You know, Nick, I've got a really similar story to you. The power of reading changed every aspect of my life. And, uh, I was 25, I wasn't 20, but I was 25. And the first book that I read that like just totally blew my mind and got me hooked on, on a world of self-development was Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. You know, what was that book for you? What was the book that just was the catalyst to this whole passion that you have now? The very first book that I read was Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And I read that book because I had just started listening to podcasts just like this one. And so many of the guests that were being interviewed mentioned that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I thought, if all these successful people are reading this book and I'm deliberately choosing not to, then I'm not living up to my potential. I should see what the secret sauce is all about. And so I decided to read that book and it got me hooked, just like Think and Grow Rich did for you. And by the way, Think and Grow Rich was 
somewhere early in my journey, maybe in the first 10, 15 books. And uh, I remember I highlighted well over a hundred things that first time that I read Thinking Grow Rich. I mean, what a beautiful book, what an important book. And it also has one of my favorite quotes, which is that action is the real measure of intelligence. That's a Napoleon Hill quote. And I love that because it's only by taking action from the information that we read, that's where the behavior change comes from. That's where the real life stuff happens. And uh, it's a great reminder to kick off today's episode with you that we have to take action on these books. So I'm curious, what action did uh, did Think and Grow Rich encourage you to take? Man, it, it was intense in, in like... You know, he talks about having a burning desire. You know, he, he, the whole book is about this formula and he's kind of secretive about what the formula is because he wants you to figure it out as you read the book. Uh, but the formula is you have to have a burning desire for what you want. And so I'm like, man, my desire, my passion, the fire in my belly just isn't high enough. Like if, if I needed success, like I needed to breathe, then I'm sure I would I would take the action necessary because you're not going to not breathe, right? Like if you need to breathe, right, you're yeah. going to figure it out. But if I needed success as bad as I needed to breathe, well, I would figure it out. I'd take the action because I would have no other choice. So it really ignited in me, uh, you know, how do I get this burning desire? And so I started to uh, write my goal down every single day. I created vision boards. I put it, I laminated it and put it in the shower. I started to just get super hyper-focused about how I was going to become this incredibly successful real estate agent. And at the age of 25, I, you know, I wasn't, I was a 25 year old who just gotten into the business. And, um, you know, less than 10 years after that time, I was the number one team in the state of South Carolina. We won the best company to work for in the state of South Carolina, on the Inc., you know, fastest growing companies list. But it all was just this catalyst from that moment of, hey, you've got to have this insatiable burning desire to make that happen. And then I, you can apply that to anything, like you were saying. Hey, I want to have this incredible marriage. I want to be the best dad. I want to have the best health. I could do the same formula for anything I want. Yeah, I love every single one of those variables. Just like you, I've built the vision boards. I say the affirmations. I read the books do the meditations, all of the reflection, the journaling, and uh, just like you have that insatiable desire. So I, yeah, I feel a kinship. I feel like we're cut from the same cloth in a way. Yeah, that's why I was so glad to have this conversation with you. So in the beginning, it was it was uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. What, what was it about that book that, that lit the fire for you? A number of things. I was a business student that didn't know much about money. And so I think I shot away from a lot of those conversations. It created some insecurity for me. You know, the time that I read that book, I was going into my senior year of college and everybody's talking about how much money they're going to make after school and these investments they're making. And I wasn't a great student. And so I sort of shied away from some of that stuff. But I went back to school that senior year and I went from back of the class, avoiding those discussions to leading those discussions. I had all the language that I needed about money. And that was so interesting to me. I was improving my financial literacy and my ability to have those conversations. That book was great because it was only about 200 pages, pretty decent sized font. He addressed a lot of, uh, a lot of insecurities that I had and gave me language to deal with them. He introduced me to the world of personal development. And that was just so exciting 
when I read that book the first time, it didn't say, hey, here's the only book that you need to read. It said, look at this beautiful world of personal development and financial literacy. You know, he says that money is a subject that's not taught in school. It's only taught at home. And so you need to go out and find your own resources if you don't grow up in a rich family. And what that meant for me was, oh, I can learn from a millionaire like Robert Kiyosaki for $20. How cool is that? And uh, there were just so many aha moments that I was hooked. I think that if I started with a different book, maybe I wouldn't have the business that I have today, have the life that I have today. So I'm so grateful that I stumbled across that book first. Yeah, man, that book was uh, so instrumental for so many people, myself included, that that whole quadrant of being employed, being an employee, and then being self-employed. And he said, man, being self-employed is actually the worst quadrant because you work way more hours than an employee and you don't really make a whole lot more money. You're kind of a slave. And then to becoming a business owner, that's, you know, it's a huge, it's a huge cross from going from self-employed to being an owner of something and then, and then being an investor. Uh, that whole quadrant is still just burned in my brain. And, and I don't know anyone who ever taught that before, but I agree with you. I wasn't born with it. My family didn't know that. They had jobs. They worked for a living. They traded their time for money. And I just kind of expected that's the way it would be for me too. Yeah, me as well. And I grew up in a wonderful family, but just like you, those subjects were not talked about at the dinner table. I right. think they will be in the future when I have kids. And uh, oh, as dude. a result of reading that book... Yeah, I've got, <laughs> oh, go I've, got, I've got four kids. I talk about it. Yeah, I mean, it's not, yeah, that's it's, amazing. Not, it's not about like, hey, you guys have to be wealthy, you have to be rich. I just talk about, hey, like the world is yours. You literally can do anything. Whatever you want to do, you can do. Um, you don't have to be controlled by anybody. We talk about if, if they, you know, if they would want to be a business owner, they see mom and dad doing that, what that would look like. Uh, if they wanted to be, you know, some type of an artist, what that would look like. Yeah. We, we have those conversations often because why not, man? You know, kids love to dream. I love to dream with them. My daughter wants to be a pop star. I'm like, that's freaking cool. We got her a piano. We got her a piano. She's taking piano lessons. She's just super into it. Um, well, this being the good mood show, you, you know, I know you, you've mentioned a lot of strategies about feeling good. What, what are some of those strategies your book talks about, about feeling your best? Sure. There are so many. One of my favorite is meditation. Meditation is a subject that I know you've covered many, many, many times on this show. Um, when I first started meditating, I had a very difficult time with it. I could only sit still for a minute at a time. I had no control over my own brain, uh, which I think is a common misconception with meditation. And uh, I started by using the app Headspace. I would go through some guided meditations. Over time, I evolved to try different devices, such as the Muse device, which gives you real-time feedback on brainwaves. Uh, right now, I do a 20-minute transcendental meditation twice a day. And I've really been enjoying that. And the biggest thing as far as meditation is concerned with me is that it's added space to between an input to my brain and my reaction to whatever's happening. And that's been very valuable. I used to be a lot more emotional. And I think that would get me in trouble sometimes. I'm a little bit more logical today than I used to be. And that's because of meditation and practicing daily mindfulness. So I love how good Meditation makes me feel. I think it helps me stay grounded and show up as a better person every single day. And so 
The reason that I really stuck with it is because I read in Tribe of Mentors or Tools of Titans, actually, by Tim Ferriss, that the most common uh, characteristic amongst all these high performance people was some form of daily mindfulness or meditation. And I thought, just like with podcasting and reading books, I thought if all of these super high performers are practicing mindfulness and meditation on a daily and that's what's putting them in a good mood. And that's what's keeping them happy and consistently achieving high performance results. I've got to give it a try too. And so here I am, maybe six or seven years later, and uh, still maintaining a daily mindfulness or meditation practice. And it's been amazing. So I'm curious, are you uh, a daily meditator? I am. Yeah. But just just as you were describing, man, I couldn't get into it in the beginning. And it, but I kept hearing about it. It kept coming back, you know, just like you're talking about. And, um, and I was kind of spotty with it. I do it sometimes and say, Hey, this, uh, you know, this, I don't think it's really moving the needle for me. And like, you're talking about 40 minutes a day and it's not just 40 minutes a day. Like you kind of got to get into it and then get out of it. So, you know, a whole hour of your waking time a day is spent not using your brain like to progress, right? That's a tremendous commitment. And uh, and so you have to have a big why. You got to really understand why am I going to commit to this? And I think you said it beautifully. You know, it, it gives you space between what's happening and your response to it. And that's where all of our power resides. Otherwise, we're just reacting to everything and just being spun wherever the world, you know, is happening and, and we're not really in control of our life. So, um, yeah, my, my meditation started similar. I started with, uh, the headspace app as well. And then I moved over to the calm app and, uh, and then I, I learned from Sadhguru uh, a 21 minute Kriya he, he has, uh, that he teaches and that's what I'm doing now. I, uh, I recently spent some time with an author named Adam Hergenrother. And uh, he I, works I in know, the real estate space as well. Adam, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's he's amazing. And he was the first one that introduced me to transcendental meditation. And he told me that he's such a fierce business competitor and such a great family man because of his 40 minutes of meditation every day. And so I thought, hmm, you don't typically hear people talk about being a fierce business competitor in the same sentence as meditation. But I know what he means now that I've been practicing it for a little while. Yeah, man. What So other than meditation, what are some of the other good mood strategies that your book teaches? Yeah, another one of my favorites is gratitude. And my gratitude practice has evolved over time. I started by writing three things that I was grateful for on a piece of paper every single day, a yellow legal pad. And then I moved to some gratitude journals. Now I actually have the numbers one, two, and three tattooed on my wrist as a way to remind myself to go through the daily gratitude every single day. On top of that, uh, my team at BookThinkers, we use a Slack channel. And one of our channels are as an internal communication mechanism. And one of our channels is a daily gratitude channel where everybody on my team will write three things they're grateful for. And then we'll talk about those things on our daily huddles. Whoa, Uh, that's next level gratitude, man. Look at you bringing bringing it to your team. That's leadership. Yeah. Yeah, oh, thank you. Yeah, we love we love the gratitude group chat. And I think it's something that every team leader uh, should put out there and every family should do. I mean, it sounds a little weird maybe for some of your listeners to jump in their family group chat and say three things that they're grateful for and encourage other family members to do it. But how magical would that be 
you know, once the awkwardness is over and everybody just gets into doing that on a daily basis. Yeah, super cool. Way to use technology too, to not make us more disassociated, but more close to each other. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, yeah, gratitude is is the key, man. It's like the it's like the key to all good moods. When when we're grateful, we have got everything. We're the wealthiest person in the world in that moment. I do a weekly gratitude time capsule. And here's what I mean by that. At the end of every week, I grab my phone, I stick it in selfie mode, and I record a one-minute recap of my week, highlighting the best things that happened and showing gratitude for them. One minute long, week recap. And I tuck that in a Google Drive folder. I throw the date on it. And the idea is that years from now, in the future, I'll be able to condense an entire year's worth of one-minute videos into a one-hour video and watch an entire year's worth of highlights and gratitude if I'm ever feeling down or if I want to share those experiences with friends or family members. And so I call that a gratitude time capsule. For the rest of time, I can go back and relive everything that I was grateful for. And uh, I think that's a unique practice. I don't know where I originally came up with it, but that's something I've been doing for a few years now. That's so cool, man. I want to do a gratitude time capsule on my children's birthdays. And that you just inspired me to go ahead and do that. Maybe not every single week because I, I don't, um, I've got a different practice for that on a weekly basis. But, you know, each, each of my children, it would be so fun if my wife and I just jumped on a, a video and said, hey, Harper, this year we've seen you grow so much. We were really excited about that gymnastics event. You totally crushed it. We've watched you become a, a great big sister to your little sisters and, uh, yeah, that would be super cool practice because look, man, she's already nine. She's about to be 10. I'm going to do this in two weeks when she turns 10 and we'll start it. She'll at least have eight years of this before That's amazing. she, yeah. before she heads out. I hadn't thought about applying it like that. That's really cool. All right. I'm inspired. I'm taking a note. I'm taking action because that's what this show is about. Hey, if you love to stay in good moods as much as I do, be sure to hit the subscribe button on the Good Mood Show podcast. That way we could get you a good mood every single week. And look, if you know someone else that could use a good mood, share the show with them. Send them a text message. Let them know about the Good Mood Show and let's brighten up the world. Your, your book teaches us not how not to just be these information collectors. You know, not just this like self-help junkie that, that knows everything but applies nothing. What are some of the strategies that you teach about how to actually take action on what we learn? I think it all starts by setting an intention for the book that you're reading or maybe the podcast that you're listening to. So I'm a big fan of setting a realistic goal. In fact, I like when I'm reading a book to set a SMART goal, follow the SMART goal framework. So your goal for reading a book should be specific. It should be measurable. It should be attainable. It should be written down or relevant to what you're focused on, obviously, and it should be time bound. And so here's an example. I'm holding a book called Amplify Your Influence by Rene Rodriguez. I just decided to read this with one of my team members at BookThinkers. And so instead of just aimlessly reading this book and trying to collect random information to apply, I'll set an intention. The subtitle is Transform How You Communicate and Lead. So I might say, I'd like to read this book and find at least two actionable things to implement to improve my communication and, and leadership by the end of next week. So that's specific, 
It's measurable because I'm looking to do two things. It's attainable. It's not a million dollars by next week. It's just two things that I'd like to find and implement. I'm going to write it in my activity tracker, which I shared with you so that you can share with your audience. But I'm also going to write it down in in our group uh, book coaching. It's time bound because I'd like to do it by the end of next week. And if you can add because, a little bit of feeling, a little bit of juice, you can strengthen your intention. So I might say, hey, I'd like to find and implement two ways to improve my communication by the end of next week from this book because I used to have a lot of social anxiety and that limited my potential. Now that I'm starting to gain momentum and improve my ability to communicate, I'm seeing a lot more success and fulfillment in life. I want to double down on that. So if I can take that entire intention and write it on the inside cover of the book and reread it each time I open this thing up, I'm far more likely to find those two things and take action on them because I have a strong why. I have a strong intention. And Matt, far too often I meet people, I'll ask them, hey, what are you reading? They'll tell me and I'll say, why? I'll go, what do you mean, why? Why are you reading the book? A friend mentioned it or a family member said it would be cool or I saw it on on Instagram. Like, that's not an intention. What's your intention for the book? How do you know if it successfully impacted your life or not? And uh, I think it all starts there. That's one of my favorite techniques. That is so awesome. I love it. I love writing it right inside the inside cover so you can, every time you open that book, like, why am I reading this book right now? That's beautiful, man. You've also just hit on a very important point. Most of us aren't living any part of our life intentional. Like, hey, why do you do this thing every single day? I don't know. My parents did it. Hey, why do you eat what you eat? I don't know. It's just what I've always eaten. Why do you work where you work? It pays the bills, right? So you're like taking this to another level. Like, hey, why are you reading that specific book? That's like the more intentional we can get about our life, the more life we can actually like experience because we're being real about it. Um, So we set the intention. Sometimes, of course, you're going to be surprised, right? Oh, of course. I mean, yeah. there's going to there's gonna be things that just blew your mind. You're like, I had no intention for that. But the whole, my, my paradigm has shifted because I read this book for a different reason and she got into something that changed everything. Well, what's the next strategy? So once we set the intention, how then do we get ourselves to take action on that intention? Sure. I think it's through effective note-taking. And what I mean by that is, as you're going through the book, it's important to highlight or mark off or throw maybe a sticky note in the book or something like that. Anything that's related to helping you achieve your intention for the book, the goal that you set. And so as you're going through the book, you might find some things interesting. And so maybe you'll highlight that in yellow. But every time you find something that might help you achieve the goal that this book is is set out to help you achieve, like overcome some pain or help you double down on a skill set that you want to improve, you've got to mark that in a different color. Let's call it orange. And so I like to say, don't multitask. Reading a book and taking notes, those are two very different activities. Taking those notes and implementing them, that's a third activity. Far too often, people try to jumble that all together. So separate them out. As you're reading, mark things off that you want to go back and revisit or maybe that you want to take notes on and just keep reading, keep reading, keep reading. Once you're done with your reading session, go back and rewrite those notes especially the ones that can help you achieve your intention for reading the book. So in this case, I might find some interesting stats or something. I might mark them off. But 
the things that are going to help me find two ways to you know improve my communication, that's when I want to go back and rewrite those notes. Repetition leads to retention. Retention leads to action. And so by rewriting those notes after I'm done with the reading session, then I'm more likely to take action on them. And so what I like to do is create a document on Evernote that's located, you know, that's specifically for this book, or maybe it could be on the notes section of your phone or in a physical notebook. And I like to rewrite my notes. Again, repetition leads to retention. And at the end of the book, once I'm done with it and I look at all my notes, I then like to apply the 80-20 principle. What 20% of these potential notes, these potential actions, are most likely to lead to the behavior change that I'm looking for. After reading this book, I might find 10, 15 different things that I could take action on to improve my communication. But through reflection and repeatedly going through those notes, I'm going to locate, okay, what are the two or three things that I can implement now that have the biggest potential for change? And the reason that I like to apply the 80-20 rule, Matt, is because of the book that you mentioned earlier in our conversation, Think and Grow Rich. Like I mentioned earlier in today's conversation, the first time that I read that book, I had rewritten over a hundred items. That's not realistic. You can't take action on a hundred different things related to a book every single week, but you can take action on two or three things. And that's why I think it's important to narrow them down and look for the potentially most impactful ones. So I think effective note-taking and then rewriting your notes, that's probably the next step in the process. Yeah, that is awesome, man. And, and uh, you're shifting my paradigm about how I read books as we have this conversation. I'm a note taker as I read, but for, and for the same reason that you're saying. I'm like, man, if this is powerful, if this is impacting me, I'm going to write it down because it's going to burn into my brain more. And then when I get done with the book, I read all the notes again. But see, I put, I got a star system. If I put like a million stars next to something, it means take action on it. So yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, know, I'm like, that's All right, perfect. I have to do something about this because this is really going to change. I like this idea that you've got here of separating the two because it does kind of stop the flow of reading, right? To stop and say, hey, I got to take a note. It's really cool, man. So the way that you're reading books and you've read 400 plus, I know you said maybe it's, it's much more than that now. You want to get an accurate count, but the rate, way you're reading books, you're like, taking the essence of those books to a deeper level than most of us. You know, of these books you've read, this being the Good Mood Show, what are some of your favorites for feeling our best, for teaching us how to just feel our best every day? That's a great question. And I have so many recommendations. I think that removing self-imposed limitations is a really important foundational piece to feeling better. Um, so removing self-limited beliefs. And uh, there are a couple book recommendations that I'd have there. Number one is Unlimited Memory by Kevin Horsley. I think it's important to feel optimistic about each book that you're reading. And so this book, Unlimited Memory, taught me that our brains have an almost infinite capacity for storage and learning. And if you can store information in your brain more effectively, then you can use it more efficiently. And it will just you know, it'll remove any self-limited beliefs that you have around retention and, and what your brain is capable of. And I think that's such an optimistic thing to put you in a good mood while you're reading a good book. One of my favorite quotes, not from that book, from a different book, Black Sheep by Brant Mensfar, he says, even the best cup of coffee in the world will taste bitter if you're in a bitter mood. And sometimes people are reading these books 
in a bitter mood because they're like, oh, this is a waste of time, this is a waste of time. So Unlimited Memory will help you shed that. And then also Limitless by Jim Quick. What an amazing book. Uh, you were talking a little bit about the difference between reading a book and taking notes before. He has this wonderful metaphor. Uh, he says, if you're driving a car slowly through a neighborhood, your mind can wander. You can look at the mailboxes, maybe you can look at people playing in the front yard, you can look at house numbers, you can sort of let your mind wander. But if you're speeding through that neighborhood, going as fast as possible, eyes are glued to the road. Same thing with reading. If you're reading and taking notes and reflecting, and you're going slowly through the book, your mind can wander. But if you're reading faster, your eyes are glued to the page and you're much more likely to achieve your goal. Uh, but that book also just teaches us that our minds are supercomputers and it's such an optimistic way to view the world. So I highly recommend that book as a way to feel good and, and put good energy out there. I love The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari by Robin Sharma. One of my favorite quotes from that book says that everything is created twice, first in the mind, then in reality. And so as we're reading these books and thinking about taking action on them, um, that book just has so many wonderful lessons in it about feeling better and doing better. And uh, so those are a couple of recommendations right off the top of my head. Uh, you know, I've read a lot of books on meditation and mindfulness and subjects like that as well. Yeah. Uh, my favorite, I'll throw one more out there. My favorite framework for affirmations comes from The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. Talk about a book that will make you feel better than you did going into it. And Hal is such a wonderful, positive, personable person. And affirmations are such a great way to feel energized every single day. And he has a great framework in his book for that. So I also recommend that one. Yeah, man, that that's one of the most influential books of my life. When I when I read The Miracle Morning, it it was I was like, oh, whoa. Like I could have an entire step-by-step -step framework on how to get, you know, how to get every single day into the best possible mood that I could be in. And then for me, what's more important than that? Nothing. So yeah, Hal teaches the life savers. Yes. S-A-V-E-R-S. It was actually Hal that got me to meditate consistently every day. Uh, he, you know, the first S is silence, which is meditation. And, um, and it wasn't from the book you know, that it was the book. He's like, Oh yeah, meditation. One of the keys, all the successful people say we should meditate, but he created a movie. And in the movie, uh, he's talking about each of the savers, each of these six things you should do every day. And one of the guys in that movie said, yeah, you know, 200 years ago, there wasn't running water in people's houses. And, and we didn't shower every day. We kind of had dirty bodies. We smelled bad. So we wore lots of perfume to cover it up. And he's like, I think 200 years from now, they're going to look back on this time and say, I can't believe people didn't clean their mind every day. You know, they would put on a fake smile and dress their best and do their hair a certain way and drive the right car to try to cover up how dirty their thoughts were. But they could have just cleaned their mind and it could have just been beautiful all the time. Yeah. That's, that's an amazing metaphor. And that movie is the first time that I saw somebody wearing one of the Muse uh, brainwave feedback devices that I talked about earlier today. I tried those for a while. I didn't love them, the experience with the Muse device. I think it's worth trying because it's so cool to get feedback in real time as to how your brain is performing. 
But uh, yeah, that's an amazing movie too. Hal's awesome. I've interviewed him a couple of times on our podcast and I've read The Miracle Morning a few times now. What a wonderful person. Absolutely, man. I got to play volleyball with him. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, the two of us were like setting and spiking next to each other. Uh, some of, he's he's really good buddies with some of my good buddies and we, we flew out to Austin and spent some time. Um, well, man, as, as we get to wrap up here, I want to, I want to hit on just a couple more of your favorite things to be an effective reader or just living your best life. What, what would be the, your last couple points here that our listeners should, should be looking out for? One of the ways that I took information and translated it into action was by building an accountability group with some of my best, most motivated friends. And that happened originally because I read a book called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. And in that book, he talks about building an activity tracker that measures your weekly activity. So to paint a picture, Matt, for everybody in your audience today, imagine I'm reading this book, Amplify Your Influence, and I find a strategy for improving my communication. It meets my intention. It helps support the skill that I want to develop. And so I take that and I plug it into an activity tracker and I say, I want to try whatever this is speaking to a stranger three times this week. So I've got Monday through Sunday, I put a goal of three, and throughout the week, I'm tracking this. Then on Friday, or maybe on Sunday, I meet with my accountability group. I tell them about this new activity that I'm trying. I have them maybe shoot me a couple of text reminders throughout the week. And I talk with them about why I achieved this next week or why I didn't achieve it. Maybe they make some suggestions. And so personal development becomes a team sport reading books becomes a team sport, improving your life becomes a team sport, where you're held accountable by other motivated people who celebrate your wins. I love that idea that you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And if you are the most motivated person in your friend group, don't just ditch your friend group, but bring them up with you. I think that's one of the most effective ways to elevating yourself is by elevating the average of the people around you as well reading these books as a group, implementing everything that you'd like to achieve as a group. It's one of my favorite ways to implement information and hold each other accountable and get different perspectives and collect feedback and make improvements. Like that's the name of the game. And I love that. An accountability group. So if you're listening to this show and you don't have an accountability group, how do you get one? I know you're saying, hey, just go to your friends that you currently have and say, hey, do you want to be an accountability partner? Is that is that the way that you'd recommend starting? I'd recommend starting by by thinking about your closest friends and thinking about maybe things that they've stated that they want to achieve and, and haven't done yet. So maybe I say, hey, Matt, remember last year when you told me that you wanted to run a marathon? I noticed that you didn't end up running a marathon. Um, I'm thinking about starting an accountability group, maybe I can hold you accountable to running a little bit more often. And maybe that's the introduction conversation. Or you reach out to somebody, hey, I gave you that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, last year for Christmas. Did you end up reading it? Oh, no, but I would love to. Hey, what if I held you accountable to that? Would you be open to something like that? Maybe we meet on Fridays, talk for a half an hour about the book. Like, don't just say, hey, I want to hold you accountable to everything, but tie it back to a previous conversation or something like that. I mean, most people know that they're living under their potential. And yes, it's kind of awkward to start those discussions with them, but you want to improve the lives of your friends. Maybe somebody's struggling with time management because they have kids. Maybe somebody's really struggling getting their business off the ground. 
Maybe somebody doesn't love the job that they're currently in and they want to explore other opportunities. And you can be their partner in that journey. I know that uh, one of the longest running Harvard studies, they were looking at all these different variables as it relates to happiness and feeling good. And they measured for money and profession, education level, and none of those things were correlated to happiness and feeling good. It was community. The people that had the strongest sense of community in their lives, those are the people that felt the best. And so, yeah, go out there and strengthen your community, build it up a little bit. Uh, Maybe next time it's your friend's birthday and you shoot him a text, offer to get on a call and just instead of shooting them a happy birthday text, see what's going on and then offer to help them solve whatever problem they're dealing with by getting in an accountability group. So that's kind of how I would recommend going about it. But one more thing is you can get in the comment section on Matt's social media, see what other motivated individuals are listening to the show and engage with the podcast. Those are the types of people that you know are going to be willing to start an accountability group. And uh, I was on stage one time. It was uh, about an audience of 100 people. And after I talked a little bit about the importance of accountability groups, I said, raise your hand if you're in an accountability group right now. And almost no hands went up. I said, raise your hand if you'd love to start one with somebody else in the room. And almost every hand went up. Yes. And so I think, yeah, once you filter for the right kind of audience, obviously people are more likely to jump into something like this. Who knows if any of those groups are still active today, but I sure hope they are. Well, man, Nick, this has just been an awesome conversation. You are uh, phenomenal. Nick has offered his his tracker. He's talked today about how tracking um, can help take you to the next level. Uh, if you're part of our newsletter, we're going to send you out Nick's tracker. It's it's It keeps track of every type of uh, activity from your finances to your fitness to your connections. A lot of the things we've talked about to be in a good mood today. Um, if you want a copy of that, you can reach out to us at goodmoodshow.com and we'll get it over to you. And Nick, there's going to be people that want to get this book. I know it just launched. Um, how do we get the book? How do they get in touch with you? Sure. So Rise of the Reader, Strategies for Mastering Your Reading Habits and Applying What You Learn will be available on any online retailer. So check out Amazon, Barnes & Noble, those types of platforms. Grab a copy of it. And if you want to connect with me, our biggest platform is on Instagram at BookThinkers. We've got a community of about 150,000 nonfiction book lovers over there. So you'll be in good company if you choose to follow us. And I'm happy to provide personalized book recommendations based on all of the books that I've read and consumed over the years. So if you want to shoot me a DM and say, Nick, here's the skill that I want to improve, or Nick, here's the problem that I'm currently facing. I might ask some follow-up questions, and then I'll provide a book recommendation and follow up with you to see if you've read it. So if you want a little bit of accountability, if you want a good book recommendation to help you out, check us out on BookThinkers Instagram, and uh, that's the other best place to find out more about the book as well. Man, take Nick up on that. He's offering to give you not only a recommendation, but some love with some accountability. Man, I've, I've loved this conversation. Thank you for being here, my man. Yeah, thank you, Matt. You're an amazing host and this is a really important podcast. So thank you for uh, having me on it. Appreciate it. And thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Good Mood Show with Matt O'Neill. For free resources, videos, and materials about getting into your best moods, head over to thegoodmoodshow.com. And remember, when you feel like your best self, you are your best self. See you next week. Same time, same place.